Hello, hello, and welcome to This Is Ugh. I am your host, Georgia. Play me to the desk, Lee. And I am back here again with my co-host, Summer. And today, we're concluding our conversation on friendship. So, let's get into it. So, I personally love how we met because we met in a mall um, at like one of those stereotypically teen stores. Mm-hmm. You know... The wet seals and the rainbows and all that jazz. The Forever 21. Yeah. We, the um, we worked in one of those. And it was really interesting because I remember walking in there and being like, wow, this is going to be my worst fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going to make a single friend here. I fucking hate everyone. Oh, like, no. this is absolutely <laughs> terrible. I'm 16 and I already hate the world. And now... And you already have a job. Oh, I 100%. This is your second job. This is my job. second job. I was a camp counselor. So I was working already eight to three. And then I would go home and I would shower and get changed. And then I would go to the mall and I would work in the store from six to close. Probably like three days a week. Mm-hmm. And then I would also work any Saturday or Sunday shifts that I would pick up. So I was working a lot mm-hmm. that summer. And I was like, wow, these girls I'm meeting are the fucking worst. And my camp counselor job is already difficult enough because I worked with... Special needs kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was incredibly fulfilling, but it was also not an easy gig, you know, especially for like... A teenager. Yeah. Where I didn't really understand yet how to navigate autism and Down syndrome and behavioral issues and... All these things where I was just not 100% read into what to do and how to act. And it was really wild to just be thrust into this. And I think about this all the time now that there was no training um, at all. The exact same kind of onboarding that you had as a regular camp counselor. There was like, okay, you're going to be a camp counselor and here's what you're going to do and blah, blah, blah. And there was, you know, short of CPR training, which we all got and all that stuff. Nothing was really different, you know? No one really was like, hey, so by the way, when this child with severe autism totally freaks out because someone stole his CD player and that's the only way he can remain calm, Mm -hmm. don't touch him. Uh. I made the mistake of touching him to to just make sure he would, because he was hurting himself and I wanted to prevent him from hurting himself and he bit me so hard he broke skin and I was bleeding everywhere. And, of course, instead of going to the hospital, I went to work. Oh, God. (laughs) Because you couldn't call out from our job. You remember? Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. I'm bleeding out. I should go to the hospital. I got bitten by someone. But that's fine. Um, Let's just bandage this up at the nurse's office. I'm not pressing charges. I don't, you know, whatever, this poor kid. I'm going to just go to the mall. And you were there that day, and I was in a particularly bad mood, and I don't really remember the conversation, but it really made me feel better. And I was like, cool, this girl is cool. And like, I had already thought you were kind of cool, but I was like, you know, kind of being weird. (laughs) You know, I wasn't sure if I should approach you and be like, hi, let's be friends. But that day I was like, hey, and you were like, hey, what's up with your arm? And I was like, I got bit by a kid. And I realized I should have given you more context. Uh, but you were just like, cool, cool, cool. Okay. You want to talk about it. And it was the first time anyone at the store had really been like, do you want to talk do about it? Do you want to talk about yeah. it? Yeah. Tell me about you. what's going on with you. Right. Yeah. Um, I just felt like I was just constantly moving. It's so weird to think I had hustle at 16, but I did. You did. You absolutely <laughs> did. 
I really am grateful for our friendship that formed in the late nights of the mall, sweeping and putting clothes on hangers and re-racking and listening to From the Window to to the the Walls. And uh, yeah, I mean, really, we started hanging out then and we figured out we lived so close together. We literally live a block and a half away from each other. It was wild. It was so crazy. We still live. Technically, your family still lives a block and a half away from my family. We're still there. I know. So not not to rate on your parade, I remember nothing about how we met and why we became friends. I think I, I think I blocked it out. I think I don't remember anything about that job except the particular people most of most of which are like very vanilla and i don't remember them at all sure a couple of which were like actually cool people and a couple of which were absolutely terrible oh yeah but i remember befriending you and being like you're cool you're different you're special and we should hang out and also we're in each other's neighborhood so there's no reason not to hang out but i think that i blocked out a lot of that job because you didn't work there for that long no uh, like maybe three summers. And I was there like the entire year. So I, w- I worked the entire, I think, last two years of high school. And I graduated high school early. So then I was like, well, I guess I have to like work more now. So I was there more. Sure. And I, and I went through several managers and all kinds of stuff. And then you had left to, to pursue bigger and better things. <laughs> and then through college, I also continued to work. In the, so it was like many, many years yeah. that I was there at different times. And you had long gone. And I remember after, this is so weird, I, after you you left and then after management changed over and the group of girls that we were hired with all dispersed and disbanded for different reasons mm. some of which was embezzlement some, oh. of, some of <laughs> some of which was harassment yep, yep, um, yep, yep. I, I they hired a new crop of girls and I was like oh this is bad. Mm. This is not going to be okay. And I remember I started crying in front of everyone and I was like, it's not going to be the same. <laughs> it's not the same. And nobody, they were like, what is happening right now? I'm so confused. But that, like, I knew intrinsically this is going to be bad. Yeah. You're gone. This new shit is happening. That's not okay. I'm not going to be okay anymore. Well, we were like OG work wives without mm-hmm. even knowing what work wives were. Mm-hmm. We got each other through like the weirdest, craziest shit at that job from truly embezzlement yeah. to sexual harassment yeah. to maybe statutory rape to like... No, not, not maybe. No, no, not definitely maybe. statutory rape. There was a worker there who was our age, which means teenagerdom. And I don't mean adult teenagerdom. I mean 16 or 17 teenagerdom. Yeah who hooked up with a senior manager who was either in his 30s or 40s. Like, hooked up. When I say hooked up, I mean in the store. Yeah. <laughs> On company property. Correct. I mean, the level. Because there were cameras. Mm-hmm. I mean, the level. I mean, it was just so much to go through at such a young age. And I'm forever grateful I had my homegirl there to have my back. I'm forever grateful that that as my, I think, second job, never working in retail. I'd worked in like a kitchen before, but I hadn't worked in retail before. And the and the woman who ended up getting fired for embezzlement as what? the manager hired me. For, yeah. And I was like, I mean, I've never done this before, but she took the chance on me. Yeah. And because of that, here we are 20 something years later. I know, it's really sweet because she didn't care because she was embezzling. <laughs> she didn't care. She was like, who am I hiring? Don't fucking care. I don't care. fucking care. Because yeah. I'm embezzling. Yeah. But truly, I love the randomness of all of it, you know? And I feel like... At that point, too, living in the red bubble mm-hmm. in our blue city, meeting you was the only thing that like truly helped my survival because Aww. 
wow, those people were fucking crazy. They were crazy. But it, it proves that it's from the top down because the, the company eventually folded and went into bankruptcy. So it was crazy because the top didn't care. Yeah. But also just my surroundings. It was really nice to have someone that I could vent to and mm-hmm. who understood what I was coming from. I think it's also been great that our friendship has withstood the test of time, the test of distance. Absolutely. You went north for college. I went way south, way Way south south. for college. And we somehow still stayed in touch. And Facebook actually came out. I think it was a freshman when Facebook came out. And of course, you came home for summer. So we were still back. Close enough. Close enough during the summers to maintain a friendship. But there were definitely times where we didn't see each other for what? Five years? Years. Years. Mm -hmm. And it was like, hey, I'm going to be around. Are you going to be around? Yeah. Yeah, let's hang out. And it was like, oh, cool, old times. And we never had to have that talk about like, so, so are we Are we still, is this, is this still, are we <laughs> that's always the, That's always like the real testament though, right? Like when you spend time with your friend who you haven't seen in ages and ages and ages, and it's like exactly where you left, left off. off. I don't know. I hope everyone has friends like that in their life. I don't think I don't think they do. Okay, well I feel bad for them. I still think we're this is the word of the the phrase of the year is built different. I think we're built different. I think that there are certainly people who need to be in contact regularly in order to feel like their connection is genuine Mm -hmm. and real. I learned over time because I've had best friends through the year that I that are live in my neighborhood and I see every day and there's a point where I just get sick of you and I don't want to ever see you again. And I, nah, re- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realize yeah. that doesn't work for me. Even though like media will tell you like, well, that's what a best friend is. You see them all the time and you love them for and it's but that's not how I'm built. No, but that's what media tells you about relationships too. You that's should be true. with your significant all other every time. five seconds, every four. And if you don't want to spend every waking moment with them, then something's wrong something's with the relationship. Wrong with yeah, and something's yeah. wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Nah. No. That's bullshit. There are some people who are like that. Codependent. <laughs> Codependent is very Codependent. much so. Very much so. There's a lot of truth in that. But I realized you're not the only person that I, I could go five years without seeing. And then when we got together, it's like nothing ever happened. But I really, that's what works for me. Yeah. And I need friends that that also works for. So if yeah. I were ever to meet someone, even if we had chemistry and they were texting me all the time or trying to call me all the time or wanted right. to see me all the time, I'd be like, this this isn't working for me. <laughs> this isn't... This isn't what I really want to sign up for. And it's not you. It's me. It's me. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think being able to go dark in a friendship and then like pop back up and be like, so really sorry I've been a little crazy mm-hmm. the past couple of months I've been going through some things called life mm-hmm. and now I'm ready to re-enter society mm-hmm. I'm cool with that I yeah. think that's really important I'm all for canceling plans I'm all for taking mental health days I'm all for you being like you know what when I made these plans with you a couple of weeks ago I was a younger better person <laughs> I was a better me I was a better <laughs> me I was younger I was thriving and now I'm no longer thriving yeah and I need to take a little nap I was in a good place when I made those plans absolutely with you. I was really looking forward to it and now the day has come mm-hmm. and I'm just not there I'm not there anymore and I think that's perfectly reasonable I think that that's very foreign to a lot of people I, I absolutely agree I have a few people in my life who can't handle it if I cancel plans, it's somehow I yeah. rejected them. I am somehow at fault to blame, and I don't know how to possibly move on with our our lives. And then, of course, you know, 20 minutes later, it's like, well, let's hang out tomorrow. Yeah. I, I've done a good job of curating people who I think 
have enough of their own lives and at least have enough self-esteem or self-confidence or foundation, whatever that they have, me not being around doesn't diminish how they feel about themselves. It doesn't change how they feel about me. Absolutely. And if at any point in time I come back around, they're happy to hear from me. Yeah. I think I've done a good job with that. And those are the kinds of people that I need in my life. Because if you don't have that foundation and you need to hear from me and you need, and if I cancel on you, it means something about our relationship. It means something about how I feel about you. Like, that's part of what I mean by like too sensitive. I can't have friends that are too sensitive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to put it like this. Okay. Your mental illness needs to match their mental illness. (laughs) They could not have a mental illness at all. Or or maybe have one that makes them happy. Nah, I'm almost positive you can't be friends with someone without without a mental mental illness. illness. You know what? I probably can't be friends with someone who doesn't have a mental illness. But only because having one or at least going through some kind of trauma, hopefully, if you learn from it, gives you empathy. Ugh, I hate that. Why? I just hate that. Because I hate the fact that fucking people tell me all the time, oh my god you're the person you are because of all the things you went through and like you're just like but no fuck i would have preferred not to go through any other shit i'm of two minds about that because i do think that people use that as a way to try to get people to not focus on their trauma to be like well you let's put it in a good light yeah everything you went through made you the person you are are now now. and so therefore you should be grateful basically for your trauma right because you love who you are now right and you turned out okay and you own an apartment and you have a great job and you have a fiance so you should just be grateful you know what i say to those people die in a fire die in a fire die in a fucking fire it's probably true that we would not be who we are without what we've been through. But sure. that does not mean that if I had a choice and I could go back, oh. that I would oh. I would go through everything that I went through. It doesn't mean that. It's, I mean, there is a way to learn empathy without actually going through trauma. Yes, and there's a way to be a person, a full, rounded person without having to be traumatized. I really believe that. I mean, I joke about my friends all having mental illness. We all do. We all do. <laughs> we're, we're all broken in our own way. Right. You know, this is who I flock to or who flocks to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I told, I, I collect introverts. Mm-hmm. I love them. I love them. I don't know why. I'm an extroverted person and I collect these like Pokemon cards. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I choose you, Pikachu. Yeah. And I just enjoy because sometimes I don't want to be loud and boisterous and out. Sometimes I just want to have a six hour conversation, mm-hmm. you know? And actually, that's most of the time. I just also happen to feed off of the energy of people. Mm-hmm. And so my introverted friends, I'm like, hey, do you want to like maybe hang out sometime whenever <laughs> it's convenient for you? No problem. It's not, you know, but really, I just have always been that way. And my extroverted friends, I actually see less than my introverted friends, which is mm, really interesting. It is interesting. So it's not necessarily important to me that, you know, my friends have mental illness um, <laughs> or trauma. Um, it's just something that has happened in my life that the friends I do have are able to empathize. They're able to sympathize. They are bright and they are able to like be fully fucking rounded humans in a world that constantly tries to chip you away. And it just happens that when I talk about, hey, like I'm depressed or hey, I have anxiety or hey, I want to fucking jump off the bridge. They're like, oh my God, me too. Tell me more. You know, I've always used humor as a coping mechanism. And I think that's really what's attracted a lot of my friends. To be able to talk about mental illness in a very real way is also really important to friendships. 
I do agree that now that I understand at least my current diagnosis as bipolar 2, that might change in the future. Who knows? I understand that like, yes, you have to, in order to be friends with me, you have to understand that I'm coming from a perspective and my, and my perspective now is as I am a per, I'm an unmedicated person with bipolar 2 and that affects our friendship, that affects the way that I think, the way that I sleep, the way that I work, yep. that affects our relationship. Someone who does not not everyone struggles with mental illness, but let's say struggles. Someone who doesn't live or struggle with mental illness is less likely to be empathetic unless they like are going into that as their career. <laughs> They're less likely to be empathetic to that. Well, because they don't understand it. They don't understand it. And there's no way for them to possibly understand it. Or if they don't know someone or they don't, you know, yeah, whatever. No like, one in their family, yeah, none of their friends right. struggle with it. It's really hard. Or diagnose. It's entirely possible that they do know people who struggle with it, but they don't talk about it or yeah. they're not diagnosed. So they're just like, yeah, I don't know anyone. Yeah. I mean, one is... Like my cousin stays up for three days at a time, but I just think that's meth. I don't know. Oh, I mean, it's like, not... no, it might be a bipolar, but like it might be meth too. Yeah, I don't know. Ma- I mean, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. I mean, we don't know that one. But like my cousin is not neurodivergent in any possible way, no mental illness. Like, she is incredibly neurotypical. And she's still one of my best fucking friends. Ride or die, my cousin. Like, Mm -hmm. she can do no wrong in my book. I love the shit of her. And she just, I don't know, figured out a way to get it. Or if she doesn't get it, be empathetic, be sympathetic. But that's not my norm. My norm is other crazy bitches trying to find their way. You know, like, we all just trying to find our path. And I'm grateful that I found them all along mine. Just collecting broken people. Like Pokemon guns. Yeah. Okay, so you met most of your friends, your adult friends. You've met work. through work. Actually, we met through work too. So like that also. So Wild, so, right? How many friends do you have that you didn't meet through work? Three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have one friend that I met in high school that I still stay in touch with. We just started a book club together. And she's actually a friend where we will not see each other for years. And then when we see each other, it's like yesterday. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But I grew up with her. I spent so much time in her house with her family. Like, honestly, I can't imagine her not being in my life anymore. And then I have two friends from college that I still keep in touch with. And then most everyone else. Oh, and then my other homegirl who I met at that camp I worked at. And I'm no longer friends with them, but I'm still friends with her. But yeah, work. I mean, my adult life, for sure. The Mm -hmm. only way I met people was through work. After college, how do you meet friends? Especially now that the internet has given us so many different ways to meet people through cyberspace. Yeah, without that, like, maybe that's part of the reason that the older generation, the boomers, are less likely to have friends or are more likely to keep their friends from high school because if you're not, if you haven't met through school where proximity is the reason that you meet sure. people, chance and proximity, or you haven't met people through work, which is also proximity, you have to go out with of the, your way, of your yes. way and be open to random strangers intermingling with your life. And like, that's hard. Yeah. And you know, and, and who teaches you how to do that? Sure. How do you make friends as an adult? Oh, I think about this all the time. Like in college, I just met new people every day. And I was like, yeah, you can be my friend. Or like, yeah, I fucking hate you. Mm-hmm. And now, and then at work, I was like, yeah, cool. We're coworkers. And now maybe we're more than coworkers, mm-hmm. you know? And then, yeah, after that, it's like, I'm just in the world being like, yeah, how the fuck do you make a friend? Like I've always thought we should use some of these dating apps for friends. Yes. There are apps out there with the intention of making friends. But then there's always people who are like, but I just want to hook up. Right. So, okay. So we want to talk about friends with benefits, right? 
Is it possible to be friends, for people to be friends with someone who is the gender that they're attracted to? Is that yes, possible? Yes, of course. It is. Absolutely. Is it less likely with certain people? If they suck, sure. Or if they see their friends as a dating pool they haven't dipped into yet? Well, then that's, you're, that's your fucking friend. You're not an actual friend at that point. You're, you're not an actual you're friend. Ju you're just waiting for your chance. Correct. Okay. You're in the sidelines. That's like the same thing, of, like the same thing with like friend zone. You mm -hmm. think you're just like waiting for the chance to like fuck your friend. Like, and quite frankly, I think you're a shitty person because I would much prefer to just be your friend. Because if I wanted to fuck you, I'd be like, hey. Well, I want to fuck you. Fuck, yeah. Now, are there some instances where people are friends and they grow into both mutual attractions? Sure. Or they both find each other attractive with their friends and then they realize that like maybe we should date. Yeah. Fine. But literally, the two dudes I keep in touch with in college, one of them is a straight man, and we are homies. There was like a brief moment where we're like, should we make out? And we're both like, ew. Mm. And then mm. that was it. And now there's never been that instance ever again. And he's more like a brother to me than anyone else. And that's where we are. You know what that reminds me of? In Arrested Development, in one of the later seasons, Joe became friends with, I want to say, oh, who was in Zoolander? Oh my God, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah. And, he, and, and the narrator was explaining that neither of them had ever really had a friend before. And, right. they, and they were confusing mutual like adoration for a sexual attraction. Yes. And they were like, are we gay together? Like, like what's happening? And it's like, no, no. They, they, you, didn't under you don't understand what friendship is. Correct. <laughs> Y'all could just like like each other without wanting to fuck each other. Yeah. It's it, wild. It was though, but, like very foreign to yes. both of them. Actually, I love that. <laughs> I love those. Uh, I love those episodes in Arrested Development because it's so it's so telling the world we're in, which is so incredibly misogynistic and sexist that the only thing you're good for is fucking. So why would any man want to be your friend? And I think that's been my biggest issue too. Is when I was in college, I had a lot of dude friends, Me too. and yeah, and I love them, and I love hanging out with guys. You know what I mean? Like I I just got a lot from it as much as I you know hang out with women, and it just after that, it was really hard to make a guy friend in the real world it because was. they immediately think that you want to fuck them if you're nice to them. Yes. Like literally just nice, passingly nice. They're like, oh, she definitely wants to have sex. She's into me. She likes it. <laughs> she wants his dick. She wants <laughs> oh his my dick. God. And I'm like, no, sir. I sure don't. I just enjoy your company, yes. but you're slowly whittling that away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've made this impossible for me. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for confirming how much I fucking hate you. But I think there's so much merit in it too. And there's so much to gain from having friends of the opposite sex, mm -hmm. even if you're attracted to them. Well, like, friends of the op of the gender of the sorry, gender yes. opposite to what you're attracted to. Yes. So yes. saying the opposite, it's like very heteronormative to be like, can guys and girls be friends? Can you, it's like, well, you know, it depends on what you're into. Yeah. But see, I actually think this whole can guys and girls be friends is Heteronormative. Yeah, it is. It's heteronormative. Yeah, I think gay people don't ever think about this shit. I think they're like, yeah, we're fucking friends. Like, who fucking what are you cares? About? What are you talking about? Like, yeah. I can be a lesbian and still be friends with the fuck, like, friends with a straight girl. Like, this isn't fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Because, once again, this is why rape drives me insane. Like, well, what do you expect from someone who, like, a man who's attracted to a woman? It's like, mm, as a woman attracted to women, <laughs> yeah, I've never raped anyone. Yeah. It's been real easy not <laughs> to fucking rape people. Like, in fact, it's been super, super simple. It's so never, easy it's to never rape it's somebody. It's truly the easiest thing. It's really easy. It's like, oh my God, every 
day I wake up. I don't have to think about and it. I don't read people. No, I just don't read people. Yeah. I don't even think about it. It yeah. just it happens naturally. <laughs> not to fucking rape people. Not rape happens so naturally. It's amazing. <laughs> so I don't even think queer people fucking think about this, right? I think this is so heteronormative that women and men can't be fucking friends. That means there's something so misogynistically sexist attached to this. And for me, it sucks. I love having guy friends. And sometimes I do want to turn my brain off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just but, watch sports. And just watch sports. sports. Go team sports. But like really, it's it's true. And, and, and I think it's so beneficial for straight men to have female friends. Yeah. Oh my God. They're different, better people because they have female friends. There's something about that relationship that makes them more... Sympathetic, empathetic. Less rapey. Less rapey. Less rapey. Less rapey. A, sh- a straight guy who has genuine female friends and who's open enough to talk to them about serious yeah. subjects is sure. less likely to cross boundaries, maybe unknowingly, with someone that they're interested in. And when you have like that sounding board to bounce yeah. your ideas off of and be like, hey, like this is the situation, you know, playing am I the asshole in real time? <laughs> you know what I mean? And usually you are. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes you're dealing with an absolutely crazy person and you need mm-hmm. to leave that chick alone. But sometimes like, yeah, you're the problem. And it's not just, oh, it's not your fault. <laughs> you were taught to be this way. You didn't ask for it. It's true. But now that you know, you need to unlearn whatever you learned. And you need to relearn the appropriate way to approach life and relationships and love and friendships. I like to say it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. (laughs) You know, and uh, you do raise an interesting question about the heteronormative world in which... I found myself mainly in college with the friends with Benny situation. The friends with, with Bennies. <laughs> Anyone I did mess around with, that was like my friend. And we just kind of had this little bit of, let's make out sometimes. Uh, it got real awkward real quick. And I don't think that's for everyone. I think some people can absolutely have a friend that they have a kind of sexual chemistry with. And they continue down this path. And then maybe they can revert back to just the friendship and maybe it implodes. Mine always imploded. And it was mainly because one or the other just wanted more than the other, right? Like, yeah. And that's usually what happens in these situations. It's really hard to find someone on the exact same page where it's like, I don't want anything from you more than you just being my homeboy or homegirl. And we're also going to hook up. Sometimes. Not all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes. Sometimes I'll look at you at a bar and be like, not tonight. No. And then I'll go, mm-hmm. you know, do something else with somebody else. And I think that that's really where things got really complicated. Mm-hmm. I've never had it happen post-college. The closest I ever got to it was a good friend of mine and we hooked up and then I was like, I hated every second of this. Oh. And it sucked because it wasn't like a bad hookup. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh. Ew. <laughs> Ew. This was a bad idea, but we're here now. Right, we've arrived. We've arrived. Now what the fuck do I do? Uh, I guess I just gotta keep going until it's over. Yeah, I mean, we arrived there and it was clearly a mistake. And things went zero to 100 too fast. Mm -hmm. And the next morning was even more awkward and even more fucked up. And it really ruined our friendship for a very long time. There was no coming back from it, really. I think almost a year passed before we ever spoke again. Only because we ran into each other by accident. Oh, uh, okay. That we did. Yeah. It's like, ooh, hey, hey, yeah. hey, uh, hey, pal. Buddy, oh, pal, buddy, oh, pal. And I mean, he, he did apologize profusely and really did make an effort to be like, I was a piece of shit and I'm really sorry for what how that went down. 
you know, and it did take more than that one conversation to really repair mm-hmm. our friendship. And even now, it never went back to where it was yeah. prior. But it's rocky, right? Like, I know people who are like, oh, my God, my best friend. I mean, like, totally my best friend. And I just don't get it. Like, we were just, like, having sex on and off. And they were, like, madly in love with me. And I was like, no, I don't want to date you. But, like, that's my best friend. And I'm like, is mm. that what friendship is? No. And I don't know the answer. Like, I don't think that's my best friend. I don't think that's what friendship is. Yeah. I think if they're madly in love with you and they want to have sex with you, that's not your best friend. Not your best friend, no. The boundaries are so muddled there. Like, people are so... People don't know what boundaries are. A lot of people right. are like, what is... It? I don't know, boundaries. I don't, what is that? And then a lot of people don't like boundaries. They right. don't like being told, here's what you can do and here's what you can't sure. do. It's like, oh, you're giving me a line? Well, you know that's going to make me want to cross it if you give me a line. Like, what else am I supposed to do with a line other than cross it? They confuse platonic chemistry Mm -hmm. and sexual chemistry. I think that as humans, we probably didn't evolve in a way where our society is structured now. We're like, these are friends and that's it. Yeah. These are lovers and that's it. We probably did come from a communal situation where it was all mixed up. And so our brains are like, all of that is mixed up. And and I think there are so many people who can have polyamorous relationships and they are friends and they are this and they you know whatever mm-hmm. I understand that that is a very real thing I'm saying for me my best friend is not someone that I then also want to fuck who also does like not feel the same way about me I love my fiance and he is my best friend and I love him so much but he wasn't my best friend first I also think you know having one best friend is also detrimental. Yes. Right? Yes. One one person. Did, that did not work for me. Right. <laughs> Multiple times. No, I just think there's so much more to life and so much more to friendships, you know? There are people that you have that you really give your all to, and that's why bridal parties freak me out mm-hmm. and maid of honors freak me out. How do you, like, be like, mm, but this person? This person is more of my best friend than all the rest of you. <laughs> And the rest, the rest of the bridal, bridal party is are my friends, but not the not the best. Not the best friend, but you're in the middle, right? And then the people who are not in the middle, you're at the bottom. You're just regular guys. You're just like regular people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do I even like you? I mean, are you getting me a gift? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your experience with uh, friends with friends with bannies? Friends with bannies. My experience has been few. Far and few, in mm-hmm. between, few and far in between. How does that, that go? That one sounds right. One, one, one of those. One yeah, of those. I have only had a couple of friends with benefits, and it really didn't. It didn't go well. And I think that it kind of holds true that if the people you're friends with are willing or waiting to sleep with you, they're probably not really your friends, because any of those people are not people who are currently in my life. I would say, except for one person, and even that one person. I'm not sure if we're friends <laughs> anymore. Why? Like, we still, we know each other, and we're still happy to see each other, but are they still in my inner circle? I can't guarantee that they are anymore. So the funny thing about me is I'm, inc- I'm incredibly sensitive, and I'm incredibly sentimental, even though I'm not romantic. I'm not aromantic, but I'm not romantic either. I'm mantic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just like the regular mantic. I'm the regular version of mantic. But even though I'm not attracted to most people and I don't find most people attractive, when I do, it's like Halloween. It's like that kid who never gets to eat candy the entire year. And then Halloween (laughs) comes and they just eat everything all at once and then get a stomachache and throw up. And it's it's the other person who gets a stomachache and throws up because they're like, you're too much, you're too needy, I can't handle this. And it's like, no, it's just you're special because I don't like anyone and I like you. And they're like, you're crazy, please leave me alone. (laughs) 
want to be your Twix bar. Yeah. And you want it. Uh, yeah. So friends with benefits generally has not panned out for me. So maybe like two or three down the line is I trust their judgment and their friends. That's also yeah. important because when we were young, we all weren't we always like you can't judge people by their friends. You have to judge people individually. As an adult, I think we've both learned. No, I can judge no. you by your friends. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna judge I'm you. A, I'm gonna I'm do it. I'm gonna judge you the by company the other you keep. The company you keep actually matters. If that's who you roll deep with, then like, how am I supposed to trust that that's not really what you're thinking? Right. You know what I'm saying it's yeah. hard. It's hard to. It's hard to trust someone who's got friends that you're like, wait, what? Wait, excuse me? They said what? What? And you're def- you're defending them. And you cool with this? It's not even like, you're like, you know what? I completely understand. I completely disagree with what they said. I still love them. I don't, I do, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know sure. how to talk. That's a different conversation. Oh, just ignore that. Oh, that's just how they are. Yeah. It's like, mm, mm. well, how they are is shitty. Is pretty shitty and I don't like it. And now I don't trust you. Right. But anytime you introduce me to someone, I already know because you are who you are. Like, this person's going to be cool they're good people they are and that's hard to find too right truly genuinely fundamentally good people who's got your best interest at heart finding that foundation i mean it's good that even with all of the friend implosions we've had i don't think we've come across that many people that changed our perspective on how we look at people to the point that we are paranoid when we meet someone that we are mistrusting Never. when we meet someone to Never. be like i had this friend and they completely betrayed me and blah blah blah, blah. and you and my, i had this reddit story where my best friend and my fiance were sleeping together for like 10 years behind my back yeah. and, and it completely changes how you view every other relationship after that no like and we I, haven't had that i truly love reading those reddit stories yes they're I'm amazing like, wow yeah this is like fucking fodder like popcorn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> also my life is dope mm-hmm. in comparison but no never and also I've always been the kind of person who I like you until you give me a reason not Not to to. like you yeah the benefit of the doubt right and unfortunately I feel like as I've gotten older it's just easier to make me not like you right like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm willing to engage in a conversation and I'm like let's cool but now it's like you say a couple off putting remarks and I'm like you know what this isn't worth it for me putting in the effort to make a friendship out but of this. But what are those off-putting remarks usually like? What category of off-putting remarks make you go, you know what? This isn't worth it. This isn't oh, worth the effort. Oh, like creepy, rapey, sexist, mm-hmm. racist, homophobic. Anything that falls into the phobia category. The ick and the ist. Yeah. <laughs> the ick and the ist. Oh, I love that. Yes, 110%. And honestly, it's really not that fucking hard for someone to actually hide that. But... I don't know what has happened recently, but people people out here they out here they be like this is it this, this is me they waving their flags and you know what I'm grateful for it because yeah. it it makes me not have to waste my time so all right wave mm-hmm. your fucking crazy flag AKA your Confederate shit your Confederate flag your mm-hmm. uh, blue lives matter flag your all lives matter flag fuck out of here I am all set and I think that's perfectly reasonable it is and maybe some people wouldn't agree but I honestly always try to go out there and give everyone the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. I'm probably more open to at least trying to have a dialogue with someone who's waving one of those flags around. You have a whole life. So I think, <laughs> so I think me and my cats over here, right, right, we, right. we have more capacity. I'm too sleepy for this shit. Yeah, like I, we, I, I, have, I have a higher capacity and a higher tolerance to be like, hey, are you capable of having a conversation about this? And if the answer is yes, then I'll be like, okay. And again, at the end of that conversation, the expectation is no longer 
are we going to agree? The expectation is, is was there this a, worth my time? Was it worth my time? Yeah. Is there understanding? Do I know something I didn't before? Do you know something you didn't before? Because all you have to do, in my mind, is plant a seed. If the right. other person has a genuine argument, they believe of like, well, this is why all lives matter. Okay. <gasps> Listen. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> let's 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 talk about it let's talk about why all let's talk about all lives matter i want to know where you're coming from and maybe at the end of that conversation they're not going to take their all lives matter flag down that's not the point the point was maybe they learned something from me maybe they planted a seed and then when they come across their all lives matter family and their all lives matter friend maybe They'll go, mm. Oh, I love how highly you think of yourself. I do, because it's, because it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> because it's about me changing other people into the people mm-hmm. I want them to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm, it's, really, mm-hmm. it's really not. Well, okay, so it is. Um, no, it's... <laughs> but so the thing, for me, like having conversations is so important to me. And words, I mean, there's a reason I'm a writer. There's a reason I, I write songs. There's a reason I write books. There's a reason I write poetry. Because words are important to me. Words to me are the breath of life. So if I was not talking to people or writing about things or, or using words to any kind of constructive capacity, I'm kind of not sure what I would be doing here. If I can't help someone understand themselves or understand the world or just make life a little bit easier for like one person why am i here why am i talking at all what are words for then oh we get mad existential okay this is too deep for this is too Woo! deep for the friendship for the friendship well, conversation oh i mean mostly just because we just finished the second bottle of wine and i'm not feeling quite frankly on the level okay. right now no i mean really I think the quintessential question that we all ask ourselves is, why are we here? Why are we here? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something we grapple with all the time. But when it comes to friendships, I think the best case scenario is someone that just, for that time you spend with them, like makes your life a little bit better. They bring joy. They bring happiness. They bring laughter. They bring levity, good conversation, or even for some people, just a break from reality. But even, even better is different to different people. If there's someone out there who was born into an incredibly, singularly religious experience, and they're just who they are, is not satisfied with the life that they were told they need to lead, to them a good friend would be someone who makes their life easier, but not because they're helping them be fulfilled as a person or they're helping them be happier as a person. It's because they make living the life that is not right for them more palatable right mm-hmm. and that's in our perspective not a good thing no i don't think that's a, you know what a I mean? necessarily beneficial friendship at all but but that's but to oh, them right of course that's what they know yeah. what, what they know is what i'm supposed to do doesn't feel good or doesn't feel right but someone around me helped me do it so like that's a good friend right yeah. and it's like is it I mean, is it though is it? To them, it is. Um, once again, neither one of us <laughs> have any sort of certificates or degrees <laughs> in psychology. We're just here to tell you our opinions. We are pop psychologists. <laughs> that's, that's what it's called. Those are the articles I write. It's all pop psychology. It's all opinion. There's no official expertise here. Yeah. But as I like to say, we're all experts in our own experiences. True. These are the experiences we've had. And these are the experiences we've observed. We're both people watchers. We like to sit down 
and like observe. That actually, when I was a kid, my mom and I used to play this game. Okay. Where we'd be on the train mm-hmm. and she'd point out a person on the train. She'd be like, tell me about them. And I would make up an entire life for the person. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for a very long time. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a storyteller. And that was a really interesting game we played. And also, it made me way more observant. Being able to realize just things about people. And also, not for nothing, riding the subway in our city, you got to be observant. You have to observe you know your what surroundings. I mean? You got to yeah. make sure you on mm-hmm. that shit. Because it could pop off at any second. I've just never thought of myself as any kind of expert in anything. But you are. You forget that. You're, you're an expert in your own experience. You're an expert in your observations. But also, you know enough through experience, to some degree at least, what works and doesn't work. Mm, I know enough from experience to know that I don't know anything at all. So ladies, <laughs> gents, and however you identify, <laughs> welcome to our nightmare. <laughs> We're all in this together. Let's get used to it. Oh, 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 oh,